0: part seven of benjamin Britten, source stories of twelve operas by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part seven peter grimes george crabb the borough letter twenty two peter grimes the poor of the borough methought the souls of all that i had murdered came to my tent and every one did threat shakespeare richard the third the time hath been that when the brains were out the man would die and there an end but now they rise again with twenty mortal murders on their crowns and push us from our stools shakespeare macbeth peter grimes the father of peter a fisherman peter's early conduct his grief for the old man he takes an apprentice the boy's suffering and fate a second boy how he died peter acquitted a third apprentice a voyage by sea the boy does not return evil report on peter he is tried and threatened lives alone his melancholy and incipient madness is observed and visited he escapes and is taken is lodged in a parish house women attend and watch him he speaks in a delirium grows more collected his account of his feelings and visionary terrors previous to his death old peter grimes made fishing his employ his wife he cabined with him and his boy and seemed that life laborious to enjoy to town came quiet peter with his fish and had of all a civil word and wish he left his trade upon the sabbath day and took young peter in his hand to pray but soon the stubborn boy from care broke loose at first refused then added his abuse his father's love he scorned his power defied but being drunk wept sorely when he died yes then he wept and to his mind there came much of his conduct and he felt the shame how he had off the good old man reviled and never paid the duty of a child how when the father in his bible read he in contempt and anger left the shed it is the word of life the parent cried this is the life itself the boy replied and while old peter in amazement stood gave the hot spirits to his boiling blood how he with oath and furious speech began to prove his freedom and assert the man and when the parent checked his impious rage how he had cursed the tyranny of age nay once had dealt the sacrilegious blow on his bare head and laid his parent low the father groaned if thou art old said he and hast a son thou wilt remember me thy mother left me in a happy time thou kill'st not her heaven spares the double crime on an insettle in his maudlin grief this he resolved and drank for his relief now lived the youth in freedom but debarred from constant pleasures and he thought it hard hard that he could not every wish obey but must a while relinquish ale and play hard that he could not to his cards attend but must acquire the money he would spend with greedy eye he looked on all he saw he knew not justice and he laughed at law on all he marked he stretched his ready hand he fished by water and he filched by land oft in the night has peter dropped his oar fled from his boat and sought for prey on shore oft up the hedgerow glided on his back bearing the orchard's produce in a sack or farmyard load tugged fiercely from the stack and as these wrongs to greater numbers rose the more he looked on all men as his foes he built a mud-walled hovel where he kept his various wealth and there he oft times slept but no success could please his cruel soul he wished for one to trouble and control he wanted some obedient boy to stand and bear the blow of his outrageous hand and hoped to find in some propitious hour a feeling creature subject to his power. Peter had heard there were in London then, still have they being, workhouse-clearing men, who, undisturbed by feelings just or kind, would perish boys to needy tradesmen bind. They in their want a trifling sum would take, and toiling slaves of piteous orphans make such peter sought and when a lad was found the sum was dealt him and the slave was bound some few in town observed in peter's trap a boy with jacket blue and woollen cap but none inquired how peter used the rope or what the bruise that made the stripling stoop none could the ridges on his back behold none sought him shivering in the winter's cold none put the question peter dost thou give the boy his food what man the lad must live consider peter let the child have bread he'll serve the better if he's stroked and fed none reasoned thus and some on hearing cries said calmly grimes is at his exercise pinned beaten cold pinched threatened and abused his efforts punished and his food refused awake tormented soon aroused from sleep struck if he wept and yet compelled to weep the trembling boy dropped down and strove to pray received a blow and trembling turned away or sobbed and hid his piteous face while he the savage master grinned in horrid glee he'd now the power he ever loved to show a feeling being subject to his blow thus lived the lad in hunger peril pain his tears despised his supplications vain compelled by fear to lie by need to steal his bed uneasy and unblessed. his meal for three sad years the boy his tortures bore and then his pains and trials were no more how died he peter when the people said he growled i found him lifeless in his bed then tried for softer tone and sighed poor sam is dead yet murmurs were there and some questions asked how he was fed how punished and how tasked much they suspected but they little proved and peter passed untroubled and unmoved another boy with equal ease was found the money granted and the victim bound and what his fate one night it chanced he fell from the boat's mast and perished in her well where fish were living kept and where the boy so reasoned men could not himself destroy yes so it was said peter in his play for he was idle both by night and day he climbed the mainmast and then fell below then showed his corpse and pointed to the blow what said the jury they were long in doubt but sturdy peter faced the matter out so they dismissed him saying at the time keep fast your hatchway when you've boys who climb this hit the conscience and he colored more than for the closest questions put before thus all his fears the verdict set aside and at the slave shop peter still applied then came a boy of manners soft and mild our seamen's wives with grief beheld the child all thought the poor themselves that he was one of gentle blood some noble sinner's son who had belike deceived some humble maid whom he had first seduced and then betrayed however this he seemed a gracious lad in grief submissive and with patience sad passive he laboured till his slender frame bent with his loads and he at length was lame strange that a frame so weak could bear so long the grossest insult and the foulest wrong but there were causes in the town they gave fire food and comfort to the gentle slave and though stern peter with a cruel hand and knotted rope enforced the rude command yet he considered what he'd lately felt and his vile blows with selfish pity dealt one day such draughts the cruel fisher made he could not vend them in his burrow trade but sailed for london mart the boy was ill but ever humbled to his master's will and on the river where they smoothly sailed he strove with terror and a while prevailed but new to danger on the angry sea he clung afrightened to his master's knee the boat grew leaky and the wind was strong rough was the passage and the time was long his liquor failed and peter's wrath arose no more is known the rest we must suppose or learn of peter peter says he spied the stripling's danger and for harbour tried meantime the fish and then the apprentice died the pitying women raised a clamour round and weeping said thou hast thy prentice drowned now the stern man was summoned to the hall to tell his tale before the burghers all he gave the account professed the lad he loved and kept his brazen features all unmoved the mayor himself with tone severe replied henceforth with thee shall never boy abide hire thee a freeman whom thou durst not beat but who in thy despite will sleep and eat free thou art now again shouldst thou appear thou find thy sentence like thy soul severe alas for peter not a helping hand so was he hated could he now command alone he rowed his boat alone he cast his nets beside or made his anchor fast to hold a rope or hear a curse was none he toiled and railed he groaned and swore alone thus by himself compelled to live each day to wait for certain hours the tides delay at the same time the same dull views to see the bounding marsh-bank and the blighted tree the water only when the tides were high when low the mud half covered and half dry the sunburnt tar that blisters on the planks and bankside stakes in their uneven ranks heaps of tangled weeds that slowly float as the tide rolls by the impeded boat when tides were neap and in the sultry day through the tall bounding mud-banks made their way which on each side rose swelling and below the dark warm flood ran silently and slow there anchoring peter chose from man to hide there hang his head and view the lazy tide in its hot slimy channel slowly glide where the small eels that left the deeper way for the warm shore within the shallows play where gaping mussels left upon the mud slope their slow passage to the fallen flood here dull and hopeless he'd lie down and trace how sidelong crabs had scrowied their crooked race or sadly listened to the tuneless cry of fishing gulls or clanging golden eye what time the sea-birds to the marsh would come and the loud bittern from the bulrush home gave from the salt ditch side the bellowing boom he nursed the feelings these dull scenes produce and loved to stop beside the opening sluice where the small stream confined in narrow bound ran with a dull unvaried saddening sound where all presented to the eye or ear oppressed the soul with misery grief and fear besides these objects there were places three which peter seemed with certain dread to see when he drew near them he would turn from each and loudly whistle till he passed the reach a change of scene to him brought no relief in town twas plain men took him for a thief the sailor's wives would stop him in the street and say now peter thou'st no boy to beat infants at play when they perceived him ran warning each other that's the wicked man he growled an oath and an angry tone cursed the whole place and wished to be alone alone he was the same dull scenes in view and still more gloomy in his sight they grew though man he hated yet employed alone at bootless labour he would swear and groan cursing the shoals that glided by the spot and gulls that caught them when his arts could not cold nervous trembling shook his sturdy frame and strange disease he couldn't say the name wild were his dreams and oft he rose in fright waked by his view of horrors in the night horrors that would the sternest minds amaze horrors that demons might be proud to raise and though he felt forsaken grieved at heart to think he lived from all mankind apart yet if a man approached in terrors he would start a winter passed since peter saw the town and summer lodgers were again come down these idly curious with their glasses spied the ships in bay as anchored for the tide the rivers craft the bustles of the quay and seaport views which landmen loved to see one up the river had a man and boat seen day by day now anchored and now afloat fisher he seemed yet used no net nor hook of sea-fowl swimming by no heed he took but on the gliding waves still fixed his lazy look at certain stations he would view the stream as if he stood bewildered in a dream or that some power had chained him for a time to feel a curse or meditate on crime this known some curious some in pity went and others questioned wretch dost thou repent he heard he trembled and in fear resigned his boat new terror filled his restless mind furious he grew and up the country ran and there they seized him a distempered man him we received and to a parish bed followed and cursed the groaning man was led here when they saw him whom they used to shun a lost lone man so harassed and undone our gentle females ever prompt to feel perceived compassion on their anger-steel his crimes they could not from their memories blot but they were grieved and trembled at his lot a priest too came to whom his words were told and all the signs they shuddered to behold look look they cried his limbs with horror shake and as he grinds his teeth what noise they make how glare his angry eyes and yet he's not awake see what cold drops upon his forehead stand and how he clenches that broad bony hand the priest attending found he spoke at times as one alluding to his fears and crimes it was the fall he muttered i can show the manner how i never struck a blow and then aloud unhand me free my chain on oath he fell it struck him to the brain why ask my father that old man will swear against my life besides he wasn't there what all agreed am i to die to-day my lord in mercy give me time to pray then as they watched him calmer he became and grew so weak he couldn't move his frame but murmuring spake while they could see and hear the start of terror and the groan of fear see the large dew-beads on his forehead rise and the cold death-drop glaze his sunken eyes nor yet he died but with unwonted force seemed with some fancied being to discourse he knew not us or with accustomed art he hid the knowledge yet exposed his heart twas part confession and the rest defence a madman's tale with gleams of waking sense i'll tell you all he said the very day when the old man first placed them in my way my father's spirit he who always tried to give me trouble when he lived and died when he was gone he could not be content to see my days in painful labour spent but would appoint his meetings and he made me watch at these and so neglect my trade twas one hot noon all silent still serene no living being had i lately seen i paddled up and down and dipped my net but such his pleasure i could nothing get a father's pleasure when his toil was done to plague and torture thus an only son and so I sat and looked upon the stream, how it ran on and felt as in a dream, but dream it was not, no, I fixed my eyes on the midstream and saw the spirits rise. I saw my father on the water-stand and hold a thin pale boy on either hand, and there they glided ghastly on the top of the salt flood and never touched a drop i would have struck them but they knew the intent and smiled upon the oar and down they went now from that day whenever i began to dip my net there stood the hard old man he and those boys i humbled me and prayed they would be gone they heeded not but stayed nor could i turn nor would the boat go by but gazing on the spirits there was i they bade me leap to death but i was loath to die and every day as sure as day arose would these three spirits meet me ere the close to hear and mark them daily was my doom and come they said with weak sad voices come to row away with all my strength i tried but there were they hard by me in the tide the three unbodied forms and come still come they cried fathers should pity but this old man shook his ori locks and froze me by a look thrice when i struck them through the water came a hollow groan that weakened all my frame father said i have mercy he replied i know not what the angry spirit lied didst thou not draw thy knife said he. 'Twas true but i had pity and my arm withdrew he cried for mercy which i kindly gave but he has no compassion in his grave there were three places where they ever rose the whole long river was not such as those places accursed where if a man remain he'll see the things which strike him to the brain and there they made me on my paddle lean and look at them for hours accursed scene when they would glide to that smooth eddy space then bid me leap and join them in the place and at my groans each little villain sprite enjoyed my pains and vanished in delight in one fierce summer day when my poor brain was burning hot and cruel was my pain then came this father foe and there he stood with his two boys again upon the flood there was more mischief in their eyes more glee in their pale faces when they glared at me still they did force me on the oar to rest and when they saw me fainting and oppressed he with his hand the old man scooped the flood and there came flame about him mixed with blood he bade me stoop and look upon the place then flung the hot red liquor in my face burning it blazed and then i roared for pain i thought the demons would have turned my brain still there they stood and forced me to behold a place of horrors they cannot be told where the flood opened there i heard the shriek of tortured guilt no earthly tongue can speak all days alike forever did they say and unremitted torments every day yes so they said but here he ceased and gazed on all around affrighted and amazed and still he tried to speak and looked in dread of frightened females gathering round his bed then dropped exhausted and appeared at rest till the strong foe the vital powers possessed then with an inward broken voice he cried again they come and muttered as he died author's end note the character of grimes his obduracy and apparent want of feeling his gloomy kind of misanthropy the progress of his madness and the horrors of his imagination i must leave to the judgment and observation of my readers the mind here exhibited is one untouched by pity unstung by remorse and uncorrected by shame yet is this hardihood of temper and spirit broken by want disease solitude and disappointment and he becomes the victim of a distempered and horror-stricken fancy it is evident therefore that no feeble vision no half visible ghost not the momentary glance of an unbodied being nor the half audible voice of an invisible one would be created by the continual workings of distress on a mind so depraved and flinty the ruffian of mr scott marmion has a mind of this nature he has no shame or remorse but the corrosion of hopeless want the wasting of unabating disease and the gloom of unvaried solitude will have their effect on every nature and the harder the nature is and the longer time required to work upon it so much the more strong and indelible is the impression this is all the reason i am able to give why a man of feeling so dull should yet become insane and why the visions of his distempered brain should be of so horrible a nature End of part seven